Glad to be here tonight. There's nowhere else I'd rather be on the Lord's Day than in the Lord's house. I know a lot of people feel different about that nowadays. We were discussing it coming in tonight about how so many people have decided that they don't need church anymore. Uh, it's really sad. Um, just pegging down exactly why that is, I, you know, it's kind of hard to do. Uh, these, uh, this old world's thrown a lot of things at us here in the last couple of years. It's changed a lot of things, but there is someone who never changes, and that's the Lord. I'm thankful for that. Well, this morning we preached out of Luke chapter 15 concerning the prodigal son, and we looked at that first son who was a prodigal. Well, there's two prodigals in this text tonight. And if you want to turn back there, if you have your copy of God's Word in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 32 tonight, Lord willing, as we look at what I've titled the message, The Other Brother, Luke chapter 15, and you can remain seated tonight. We're going to read all these verses, and then we'll, we'll pray and get right into the text. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 25. And here the Bible says, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he's received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. I'm asking now, Lord, for your spirit, your wisdom, and your power. Lord, not my spirit, not my power, not my wisdom, Lord, not the world's, but Lord, yours. I need you tonight. Lord, help me get over these, this nervous feeling tonight and let your word just indwell within us, God, and may it go out and do a mighty work in our hearts, and we'll give you the honor and praise and glory for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we left off this morning with the great celebration there, if you look up into verse 24, that great celebration is they brought that fatted calf and they cooked it up and they were drinking and eating and being merry and just celebrating that this young man had come home. And what a wonderful picture of grace and mercy that we saw from this father. This is an example of the Heavenly Father's grace and mercy upon us. At any time, any moment, any second, you can always go to the Father. He's always there for you, willing to, to help you. He's willing to forgive you, and He's always loving you. Well, we saw that the story, though, was not quite over. It continues. Now, we'd like to stop it right there, because it'd be a lot easier if we could just end it right there at the celebration and say, boy, praise God, it's all, it's all good, it's all done. But no, the Lord has put something else in this parable. This is one parable. Don't forget who he's given it to, by the way. We read it this morning in the first two verses. Tell us who's there. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So here he is with this large group of people. He's got publicans, sinners, which we mentioned this morning was a representation of a lost person. That's one that's a, a low-down sinner. And then we, we saw that he has these, these uh, scribes and these Pharisees. Now, no doubt, mixed within those are those uh, 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 Sadducees as well, because usually any time you see a scribe mentioned, the Sadducees are uh, related with that. Now, remember who these guys are. Uh, these, uh, these Pharisees, uh, they're really the blue-collar workers of the religious section of the Jews. They are the ones that give everybody the instructions. The scribes scribe it. The scribes know God's Word inside and out, and they think they have inside information to God's thoughts and God's heart, but they don't. Uh, they understand the things in God's Word. They can read it. They can recite it. They can tell it back to you, and they can point you to what God's Word said, and they can scribe it out. And then the Pharisees come behind them, and they take this, and they, they teach it to the, the congregation. And so their job is to, it's to tell the people what the scribes have scribed. And so you've got to remember, these are the, the elite religious people of that day. Um, you had to be very careful around this kind of person if you were a Jew. They were ready to find something wrong with you and find it right quick, and they'd, they'd do things about it. Uh, they're not going to let anything slip by. <laughs> uh, if they see you breaking some kind of law, they're going to they're call you out on it, and they're going to bring you up and, and, and lay charges against you. But in that culture, you are who you hung out with. The scribes, the Pharisees, they're not hanging out with the publicans and sinners. You remember that one that the Lord talked about that went out there into the temple to pray, the publican and the sinner, and, uh, that, uh, um, or the Pharisee and that, that publican, and there that uh, publican was down there beating on his chest, that sinner, and uh, saying, Lord, forgive me, and there's that Pharisee saying, Oh, God, I'm thankful I'm not like this man over here, and listing off all of his religious titles and all of his good works and all this stuff. That's the kind of people we're dealing with here. And so uh, Jesus has given this parable to them specifically to try to show them, to make them understand and take a look at their selves, at their own heart. The problem with these guys is when they would hear something, they were looking for somebody else it applied to. And so they're looking around to the crowd thinking, well, I wonder who he's talking about. But it's not going to be any uh, mistake who he's talking about in the next part of this parable. And so Jesus uh, comes along and makes a mess out of the intellectual things of the Pharisees and scribes and such. Uh, and he seems to be teaching about a completely different father than they know. In fact, God tell, or Jesus tells them that they don't even know who the father is. It says in John 8 19, he said this to them, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. Uh, they were accusing him of uh, working for Beelzebub. <laughs> they were out there uh, committing the unpardonable sin. And Jesus tells them, look, you don't even know who God is. You don't know the Father. Because if you did, you would know who I am standing right here in front of you, talking to you. And they didn't. And so something you've got to understand about this culture in the Middle East, that it is a culture of honor and shame. And it was the days that, uh, in the days that Jesus... It, it was like that. And in the days right now, it's still like that. It's still one of those cultures of honor and shame. 
the Pharisees, they believed in a works-based salvation and not grace. They didn't understand grace. They never understood God's love. You never see a Pharisee speaking about the love of God. You see him speaking about God's wrath and vengeance and uh, the laws and things, but he's never talking about mercy and grace and, and love when it comes to God. And so they hated the thoughts of a father who would be so gracious to a son that treated him so badly. Uh, they, they couldn't understand a heavenly father that would forgive a lost sinner simply by grace. Uh, surely that man has to do something to pay for his sins. That's their thought. And certainly an earthly father that Jesus just talked about who forgave this young man who went out and sold his name and spent all of his money and, and on riotous living, surely that just wouldn't ever happen. Not in our culture. So while Jesus is telling this parable, these Pharisees no doubt are astounded at this teaching. They just can't believe it. Uh, no son would ever dishonor his father the way that this son did. And no father, no good father would, would put up with such a thing like this. And so they were upset with Jesus. And uh, that's what it said there in the, in the beginning. We talked about that because he was receiving sinners and uh, eateth with them. And so... I want you to look back just a few verses there, Luke 15, 23 and 24. We read it this morning. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, like I said, it'd be wonderful to end it right there. It'd be like a Disney story, you know, that everybody lived happily ever after. But they don't. Uh, it doesn't end. Jesus has something else to teach these scribes and these uh, these Pharisees. And it's all to deal with this elder brother, the elder brother, the one that was should have been in charge at this point. Now that the father's given them both their inheritance, the older brother's the man in charge. He should be, uh, you know, taking care of everything. But something's different. Notice the other brother, the elder brother, is not in the celebration. Nobody's even told him about it. He was nowhere around when his brother come home. And we don't know how much time has passed between the time he found out and the time all this happened. A lot of time. They've had enough time to kill a fatted calf, cut it up, cook it, and all this stuff, and round up all these people. The older brother wasn't even a part of that. It seems that, there, that nobody even considered the older brother. And there's a reason for it. Look at verse 25. Now, his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And you would think that they'd have sent somebody out in that field and said, Hey, go get uh, the, the other brother there. He's out there working in the field. Bring him in here and let him. No, that didn't happen. Look at verse 26. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he's received him safe and sound. And so this older son is not aware of anything that's going on. Not a thing. And uh, he's lived under his father's roof. He's received his portion of the inheritance, which was the double portion. No doubt he owns lands there and takes care of them. We saw he's in the field working. He has all the privileges of a son that a son would have. But as far as a relationship with the, with the father, he didn't have one. He had no relationship. He had no, we mentioned it this morning, fellowship with the Father. He was out of fellowship. Uh, 
And so this is a picture of the Pharisee that Jesus is trying to draw for them. He's trying to make them see the error of their own ways. If they can only see themselves, if he could just put a mirror up in front of their face and say, you are the elder brother. But they're going to, they're going to figure it out. And so, uh, the older brother needed this grace and he needed this mercy just as much as the younger brother needed. You know, we, we've put a lot of focus and attention on that prodigal, the son, the younger one. We talk about him a lot and this older brother kind of gets pushed off on the wayside. It's kind of like a, a little side note, you know. Uh, if you had little notes down there, maybe we'd drop it down there and put a little star by it and say, oh, this happened as well. Uh, that's why a lot of people treat this. But I want you to understand that this section of the parable is just as, if not even more important than the first part. Because we're going to see that despite their attitude, despite their lack of fellowship, despite anything that they should be doing, the Father is still a merciful and gracious and loving Father. Look at verse 28. This is after the the older brother found out everything. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. (laughs) He was angry. I can see him now. He's all sold up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's the younger brother, and boy, he never could stand that kid. And he couldn't wait for that kid to get out from under the house. And he finally did, and he's heard all those bad things. He's done. We know he's done some bad things because he mentions it here in the next few verses. And so he just don't want anything to do with that younger brother. He feels like that younger brother's put a stain on his family name. And so uh, we don't know how long that, that younger brother was gone, but it's long enough for this older one to harbor some deep resentment over this brother. And so little brother had run off with a big sack of his money, and he spent it on everything, living it up, wine, women, and song. And big brother stayed home and did what was right in his eyes. He did all the right things. He followed the, the law to the letter. He made sure he was at home at the right times. He didn't go out and waste his substance on righteous living. No, he, he, he thought about it. He probably invested it and made sure that everything was exactly the way it should be. He did the right thing. And he was so angry, the Bible says it would not go in. He's so, he's so full of hate here, he don't even want to go in there and be around all this celebration. Don't want to see that brother. Surely don't want to participate in it. And so he wouldn't go in the house. Instead, he chooses to remain outside where he can stew in his self-righteous anger. You ever know anybody like that? They like to sit around and stew. There's some people that just like to stay that way. They're not happy at all. The only time they're happy is when they're miserable. And they like to stew about things. They get upset and, and some they, they think everybody should know them. They think that somebody else is getting a better deal than them. And so they'll sit around and stew about it. And they'll make sure you know it. They're angry. They're all sold up. They, you know, they big old sourpuss on their look on their face, you know. This is, this is the brother. Therefore, came his father out and entreated him. Now I want you to know how the father goes out personally and goes to the brother and entreats him. Uh, the father is well aware of this brother's rotten heart. He knows all about his rotten demeanor and his rotten spirit. He knows he's not in fellowship. He knows all this about him, just like God knows everything about you. He knows the recesses of your heart. He knows every thought in your mind. He knows you're sitting there thinking, well, that preacher needs to lose some weight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do. But uh, he knows every thought in your mind and every thought in your heart. 
this father knows all about the son and the kind of love that he has and doesn't have. And listen, friends, God is no respecter of persons. We learned that from the Bible. The Bible says that God so loved the world, it didn't say he loved part of the world, or only a fraction of it, or just those people down at Northside and those over court flight, maybe outreach. He, he might like all those. Uh, the father is well aware of this brother's rotten heart. He knows all about his rotten demeanor and his rotten spirit. He knows he's not in fellowship. He knows all this about him, just like God knows everything about you. He knows the recesses of your heart. He knows every thought on your mind. He knows you're sitting there thinking, boy, that preacher needs to lose some weight. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. I do. But uh, he knows every thought in your mind and every thought in your heart. This father knows all about this son and the kind of love that he has and doesn't have. And listen, friends, God is no respecter of persons. We learn that from the Bible. The Bible says that God so loved the world. It didn't say he loved part of the world or only a fraction of it or just those people down at Northside and those over at Porchlight and maybe Outreach. He, he might like all those. But, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't say that. He says love the, the world. That includes everybody. And the Bible says that whosoever will come to him, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say just a, a few of those or the ones that I like the best. No. It's whosoever. And so God's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're the biggest name on earth. It doesn't matter if you're the, the most unknown person on this earth. We're all loved the same by God. He's no different than our, the earthly father that loves all of his children the same. I've got three children. I love them all completely the same. I can't put one above the other and say, well, I prefer that one more than I do that one. No, I love them all equally the same. Your heavenly father is the same way. He loves us all equally. He doesn't say, well, you know, Brother Scott, he's really doing a good job down there. I'm going to love him a little bit more than I love that other guy down there that don't do nothing. No, he loves you the same. He loves Scott the same. He loves us all the same. Uh, all God's children are unique. We all have our own special character about us. We all have our own flaws. And I'm thankful that God doesn't care about all that. All he cares about is what is down in our Heart. Verse 29, and he answering, this is the, young, the older brother answering his dad. He answering said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee. Can you not just hear the disdain on this, on, in this older brother? Can't you just feel the, 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 the anger, the seething behind it, the, you know, to wanting to get justice here for himself? Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid. And he's talking about a, a, a goat there. He's the one they fixed up and fixed. That I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which by the way, look what he said. Which has devoured thy living with harlots. So now we know what the younger brother was doing over there in that far country. He, he was not in a good place. He wasted all of his money there in one of these houses of ill refute uh, with the harlots. And the, the older brother wants to make sure he, he stabs that out there. He wants to make sure dad understands that. Well, you know, I didn't do like he did. You know, he wasted all of his money on, on harlots. I'd never do that. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. 
That fatted calf, the older son, believed it should belong to him. Uh, should have killed that for him when during his marriage feast and, and had that prepared for him, not, not the younger brother. And what in the world are you doing putting my robe on little brother? That belonged to me. And that ring you put on his finger, that's my ring. He's already got everything that he had coming to him. And he wasted it. You've gave him my stuff. And here I've been the perfect son. That's what he's thinking. And so we see the jealousy, the jealous heart of the older brother. And notice his disrespect for the father. He didn't come and say, oh, father. No, he says, what did he say? Low. Low. In other words, you. Listen here, you. So he doesn't even give him the courtesy to address him as father. He just says, lo, in other words, listen to me. Then he starts telling his father all this injustice that's been done against him. All these years of resentment has built up in him and, and now it's spilling out. He's not going to hold anything back. This is where it's all going to be put out on the table. Now keep in mind that all those things that the father gave the younger brother, they did technically, they belonged to the older brother. They did. And so uh, finally it's time in this story, the Pharisees are taking notice. And so here they're thinking, well, you know what? That's right. That, that older brother makes a lot of sense right here. He's done nothing but good. We've not seen where he's transgressed. He's not done anything wrong. And, and why is he getting treated like this? That's what they're thinking. Yes, now we're getting to where we want to be. And so the old, older son has got it, they think. And uh, this great injustice the father has done to him and the, and the younger brother. And so they can relate to this. Uh, and look at verse 31. And he said unto him, this is the father speaking now. And he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Wait, what? Can you not see the Pharisees stand there? What? Where's, where's the justice? Uh, their, their mouths are probably drop, dropping open. This, this is not how this story should end. Who, were you even raised up as a Jew? Do you realize what you're saying here? Where's the revenge? Where's the beating? Why not come out here and, and stone that little brother? He needs it. And so this is where they want to demand that repayment for everything that's been done to them. Little brother has squandered all this stuff. There's got to be some justice. This don't make sense. And just as with the younger son, the father shows the older son the same exact love. Same love and mercy. Right here, you would think that he might say, listen here, you jerk. Listen here, boy. I brought you up in this home and I'll take you out. I could, you know, that, that's my thinking. But no. The father looks at him with love and mercy and tells him, look, you've always got a place here with me. You've got all these things at your disposal. This is not discounting you at all. But we're going to celebrate your younger brother's return. And listen, I wish I could say this story is one of those ending happily ever after stories, but it isn't. We never see that the older brother ever turns around, that repents and comes back and says, Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. 
We don't ever see that he went back in the house and said, Oh, little brother, I'm so glad to see you. I missed you. Oh, I, you know, it's so good to have you here. Let's celebrate. I'd like for that to have happened. It don't happen. In fact, we do know the ending of this. If you want to look over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, we see what actually happens. Luke 22, verses 1 through 6. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priest and scribes. You remember who he's dealing with and giving a parable to? Pharisees and scribes. Sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains, how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. So we all know what's happening here. Uh, the, the betrayal of Judas. Well, it all took place. These scribes were right in the thick of all that. These same scribes that Jesus has given this parable to, they should have looked in the mirror and saw the error of their ways. They should have recognized the true Heavenly Father, but instead they want to kill Jesus, the Son of God. And so they make the deal. And shortly after this, Jesus, of course, is betrayed. He's arrested. He's taken to Jerusalem to be tried. And there sits all those scribes, those Pharisees, ready to pronounce him guilty. Look down at Luke 22, verses 63 through 71. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is that that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and who? The scribes. And the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Thou the Son of God. And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. And we all know how the story ends. Guilty, they pronounce him guilty. Blaspheming against God. He's trying to commit an insurrection. And then they have to get Rome involved because they can't legally crucify Jesus themselves. They've got to get Rome involved. And so they go to them. He's, he's causing an insurrection. He's, he's out here teaching things contrary to Roman law. You've got to do something. They get the Romans on their side. And then the next thing you know, we've got him out there. And he's guilty. And what do we do with this Jesus? Crucify him. Can't you just see the scribes standing there? Pharisees, crucify him. They got everything they wanted, they think. And so the story ends with them nailing our Savior to the cross of Calvary. They never accepted his love. There was a few, a few here and there that came to Jesus. Those Pharisees, we read about them. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night. But... There's a few, but the majority of these people never accepted Jesus for who he was. Their Messiah, their Savior. They needed his grace. They needed his mercy. They needed his love just as much as anyone else. But sadly, the world is filled with older brothers. I'm not just talking about your big brother at home if you've got a big brother. 
I'm a middle middle child. I had an older sister, younger sister, and we have an adopted brother. But uh, I'm not talking about physically there. I'm just talking about in in essence the same thought behind it. There's a lot of people that are just like this older brother. It's a what's what do I have in it? Some people pretend to be Christians. You can carry a King James Bible just like mine. You can buy a suit just like mine. You can walk around. And look just like anyone else that's a Christian. You can sit on one of these pews and open the Bible. You can claim on your Facebook, you're a Christian. You know, you can put on there, I'll go to this church and that church. You can even share religious videos. But yet in your heart of hearts, you're just like these Pharisees. You don't really know the Father. There's many people today that are like that. What an awful thing. Because one day, the Bible says, there'll be many that come to me on that day. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, hadn't we prophesied thy name? Haven't we done many wonderful works? Didn't I post about you on Facebook? Lord, I shared that post. It said if I didn't share it, I'd go to hell. I shared it. How many fools do you think is going to stand there before the Lord guilty? They never, ever knew God. They never truly knew the Lord Jesus Oh, what an awful thing. Awful. I want us to examine our hearts tonight and make sure that we are not into this mindset like these Pharisees, these scribes. It's so easy to sometimes get that religious air about you to where you look down your nose on everything around you and everybody around you and you look and see every bad thing they're doing. I've done it coming in tonight. Some guy walking across the road in his shorty shorts and carrying a guitar and going into the brew house. And I said bad things about him. I said, look at that going in there. It's so easy for us to do that. I don't know that man's heart. But we do it every day. We pass judgment on people. How many of us really know exactly what's going on in somebody's heart? None of us. Only God knows. The Lord looks in there. If we could just have his compassion, his grace, and his mercy, and his love. Because after all, they call us Christians for a reason. We're little Christ, supposed to be. Little imitators of Christ. Let's stand. I want you to pray with me together if Scott comes. Heavenly Father, God, we've preached all we can tonight. Lord, we feel that it's time to end this message. Lord, you have, you've convicted my heart, if not.